From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And we are at a real showdown moment as we tape here on Friday with almost all of President Biden's economic agenda on the line. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It is a real pivotal moment. We want to look at some of the dynamics at play here that explain why we're at this brink that seems unresolvable over the Democrats' so-called reconciliation package, this sweeping tax and spending measure that has been stymied for months and is now holding up the bipartisan infrastructure bill. We don't know if today the House is able to pass that infrastructure bill or not. Whether it does is going to depend on whether the Democratic Party can heal this rift it has over the reconciliation package between its moderate wing and progressives. Jen, this is a huge political fight. Right. This is something that Democratic leaders and the Biden administration have been working on for months. Of course, if you remember back to the summer when senators, Republicans and Democrats reached agreement on that infrastructure bill, it was sort of considered by Democratic leaders and a lot of progressive Democrats to be the first step of a two-step process where not only the bipartisan infrastructure bill but a Democrats-only reconciliation package of somewhere in the ballpark of $3.5 trillion were sort of linked together in Congress. And one of the reasons that we saw sort of a lot of Democratic support in the Senate during their floor vote for that bipartisan infrastructure package, which is now awaiting approval in the House, is that those progressives in the Senate really wanted their moderate colleagues to come along for the second step of this process which is that $3.5 trillion reconciliation package. And one of the issues that has been sort of tripping up final approval of the infrastructure package and really getting some sort of Democratic uh, approval of the reconciliation bill is that the Democratic caucus right now is really broad. And of course, as we all know, uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi can only lose three House Democrats and still approve Democrats-only bills in the House, and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer can't lose any of his 50 Democrats in the Senate and still approve legislation along party-line votes there. And so one of the things that we've seen this week is that Speaker Nancy Pelosi has really been trying to get this vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill that she teed up as an agreement with moderates um, across the finish line, but progressives in the House have said all along that they are not going to vote for this bipartisan infrastructure bill until the Senate approves that reconciliation package. And so the stalemate has continued there. Um, And part of this is just that the Democrats are such a sort of um, diverse caucus right now in terms of policy and politics heading into the 22 midterms. Yeah, that's what's most striking to me, Jen, is, is this schism between the moderate wing and the progressive wing of the Democratic Party that's really come to the fore and is really uh, stymieing Biden's agenda here. It is not going to be easy to resolve this. And, and, you know, we toss these numbers around $3.5 trillion and 
and the moderates led by Joe Manchin, the West Virginia centrist, won't do more than one and a half trillion dollars. But really what this is about is a political battle. All politics is local. And it's about the progressives wanting to go big and bold and saying, this is our moment. We have control of both houses of Congress and the White House. It's our only chance. We've got to act now and do everything we possibly can, do as much as we possibly can. And then you've got the moderate wing. You've got lawmakers from from purple districts, uh, or you have a Joe Manchin in ruby red Trump country of West Virginia saying, hang on, we can't, we, let's not go overboard and, and freak people out with two with, you know, with taxes that are going to freak out the business community and do too much spending all at once. It could trigger in more inflation, all of these concerns. And, and bridging that gap is going to be, is just been so hard. And, and I, we still don't have a sense, you know, this has been the case for months. They've been trying to come to an agreement on this reconciliation package. And it, it felt for months as though there's been no progress at all. It's not been clear how much they've actually been negotiating because there's been no sign of any of any breakthrough until maybe just now when they're trying to get this infrastructure bill passed, maybe they can cut some kind of broad deal that they're hoping comes together today, Friday. They certainly won't have a reconciliation bill together. They won't have the details, but they're hoping that some kind of broad outline of an agreement that might satisfy both factions enough to at least push the infrastructure package through to passage is their hope. But you know, that was their hope Thursday and it didn't happen. And House leaders had to pull the infrastructure bill off the floor because it was going to die. It was going to fail if they brought it up for a vote. That's the same situation they're facing today, Friday, and we don't know if we don't know if they're any closer now to a deal. It seems like they're trying desperately to get to a deal, but the political dynamics here are just so tough. Yeah, there's been a lot of negotiating and a lot of conversations behind the scenes for months about how to get all Democrats on board with this sort of two-track process. And one of the things that was really interesting this week that you know, reporters might have like galvanized onto this word a bit too much, but Speaker Nancy Pelosi in her press conference on Thursday was talking about this and she used the word culmination in referring to sort of vaguely her career and her legislative accomplishments. And, um, you know, reporters in the room and on Twitter and in, in copy kind of really grabbed on to that word because, of course, there's all these questions about Speaker Pelosi's future and how long she may remain Speaker, if she's going to run for re-election, if she does run for re-election to the House, if she will also seek the role of Speaker again. And so you always have to remember that there is sort of policy and politics and sort of lawmakers' um, kind of legacy, if you will, that they always think about leaving behind once they eventually leave Congress, as everyone does eventually leave Congress. And so all of that is kind of in the mix here, too. Um, You know, you have the 22 midterm elections. If you look kind of historically, when one party gets, um, you know, their presidential nominee elected and they get unified control of Congress, Typically in the midterm elections, the House flips to the opposite party. 
uh, and the country gets a sort of split government. And so that's also at play here too. We've been hearing a lot from progressives, but also from, you know, Democrats sort of throughout their own political spectrum that there's really no guarantee they're going to be able to accomplish anything significantly, um, you know, on their own or potentially even in a bipartisan manner after the midterm elections. And so a lot of pressure is really going into this reconciliation package. Um, And it's, you know, important to step back. I know a lot of us have gotten kind of um, a little bit numb to a certain degree to price tags throughout the COVID-19 relief legislations, but negotiating a $3.5 trillion or even just a multi-trillion dollar legislative package is a huge lift. And getting this sort of narrow Democratic majority that you have some members who are really focused on addressing climate change, some members who have been working on Medicare prescription drug negotiation legislation for years of their career. Uh, You have members who have been talking about the child tax credit for, you know, decades, especially if you look at House Appropriations Chairwoman Rosa DeLauro. And so you have all of these lawmakers throughout the Democratic caucus who have in some ways been working on these policy initiatives for years and years without the success that they have wanted to achieve. And a lot of them, you know, when you look at the chairman and you look at the people in certain high ranking positions are starting to think about their retirement and post-Congress life and really what they've left behind and what changes they've been able to make. And that is also a hu- having a huge impact on these negotiations because a lot of these Democrats are concerned that if you drop this price tag by what would essentially be $2 trillion, that their initiative is going to be the one that gets cut or gets sliced to a degree where it wouldn't make the type of impact they want. And so you have a lot of those dynamics going on here as well. Right. And that's the basic dilemma is, you know, people are comparing this reconciliation package to being as big as LBJ's Great Society in the 60s, the creation of Medicare and Medicaid. And the difference is LBJ had huge Democratic majorities in Congress to push it through. And here we have an evenly divided Congress. The Senate is dead even, 50-50. In a, in, in a pretty evenly divided country. And so there's, there's less of a mandate to push through a huge, bold package. And yet that's precisely what the progressive side of the Democratic Party wants to do, because from their perspective, their voters do want to see big, bold change, and they're reflecting their constituents. You know, the, the progressives that come from, from bright blue districts uh, see a very different world where, where their voters are pushing for these kind of big, bold liberal programs. And this, they feel, is their one shot to get it done because who knows after the midterms if Democrats will still have the majority. And, and there's a good chance they won't, as you point out. And so that's, that's the, the push and pull here is, is progressives feel they have to act now and yet they don't have the they don't have the broad majority that's typically required to get something like this through and they certainly don't have it in the senate and they're just so frustrated to have to work with a joe manchin and a kirsten cinema in the senate who don't see things their way and want to slow way down and manchin didn't even want to do a reconciliation package right now you know he stunned everyone when he called for for taking a pause hitting the pause button 
on this. He was happy just to do an infrastructure package and calling it quits for a while and see how things go. Um, now he's trying to work with them. He's he, he he's saying he'll do one and a half trillion, but you know that's not at all where progressives are. And and bridging that gap, it's just so wide. And now, even though we talk about the infrastructure bill as being bipartisan, that's even less and less bipartisan because you know it's true it got I think nineteen Republican votes in the Senate, but keep in mind most Republican senators still voted against it. And in the House, it's now only supposed to get a handful of Republicans supporting it. That's how, and and it's not so much because of what's in the infrastructure bill that they oppose. It's because it's being linked so closely to the reconciliation package that they've resented it. Now they think it. They think passing infrastructure helps Democrats get the reconciliation package, and they don't want to be a part of that. And so it's all tied up together. And so now even the infrastructure bill isn't really going to be very bipartisan anymore. They may get a handful of votes if they're lucky on the Republican side, but that's about it. And so the politics have gotten so poisonous. And and anytime the, the politics are this poisonous, it makes it 10 times harder to do anything big and bold. And that's what the, that's what Biden is facing right now. His whole economic agenda is on the line here. And and Boy, you'd think if anyone can cut a deal in Congress, it would be a Joe Biden who has decades of experience cutting deals in the Senate and who seems to get along with everybody pretty well. But this clearly is is going to be the toughest the toughest task he's ever had here is to forge a deal on this that can actually get a majority vote in both chambers with little time left to do it. Uh, you know, that's just a huge Herculean undertaking. It's not looking good right now. Who knows what's going to happen? Right. And Democratic leaders have been walking a tightrope for months on this. And it just seems like that tightrope is getting more and more um, perilous as we get closer and closer to these votes. And I think the one thing you just pointed out about Joe Manchin calling for that strategic pause is part of what's really tripping up the House vote margins on this bipartisan infrastructure package is that the progressives in the House and to a certain degree in the Senate as well really do not trust Joe Manchin um, and Kirsten Cinema to continue working with them on the reconciliation package. And of course, we should point out that when that reconciliation package goes to the Senate floor, it gets that marathon amendment voting session uh, known as Voterama. And we know that Republicans are going to put up dozens of amendments that are really aimed at those two senators and changing key aspects of Democrats' carefully negotiated reconciliation package to try to winnow it down from whatever it comes to the Senate floor looking like and to really give those two lawmakers challenging votes and to try to be kind of that, you know, perennial thorn in the side of Democrats. And so I think that's another you know, really core element of why there's a very, very little, if any, trust um, between progressive Democrats and certain moderates. And I think that's another core element here in D.C. You can't legislate and you can't write policy and you cannot approve bills if you don't have trust between the people involved behind the scenes. And it seems like right now that's just not there. And the, the other thing I'm beginning to wonder, too, Jen, is whether Democrats have 
bitten off more than they can chew here and that this massive reconciliation package is just going to be too unworkable to push through in one one single bill. Um, you know, they've been comparing this also to FDR's New Deal. And, you know, the New Deal wasn't actually, there was no New Deal bill. <laughs> I mean, New Deal programs were done in a piecemeal fashion. Uh, and that's what I'm beginning to wonder is, maybe this is going to have to be done in pieces as well if support for this huge package just doesn't materialize in time. Um, I think the fallback position for Democratic leaders would be to say, let's take these one at a time or two at a time, and we can, we can still get it done uh, and lay out some sort of game plan for that if, if support collapses for this mega package. They may not have a choice. We'll see, but we'll see if they get lucky and, and reach some sort of broad deal that might get a, a bare majority. It's, it's just going to be fascinating to watch. The stakes couldn't be higher, uh, and we will be covering it all for you. It's going to be an exciting day, so stay tuned, and we will see whether we see any action in the House today or not. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. 